Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the Reactiverse podcast. Uh, I am thrilled today to be joined by my good friend, uh, Kyle Katarn of the Kyle Katarn channel, uh, a reactor that I've known for a couple years now and that I'm happy to have on as one of our early guests uh, for the show. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for being here. Hello there. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Uh, yeah, again, like I said, thank you so much for being here. I'm really happy to have you as kind of like one of the first guests that we got to talk to about the ins and outs because uh, a, a unique thing about this is that uh, I've never interviewed a channel that's has a specific brand uh, like uh, that focuses on a specific IP, so to speak. I am a bit of a niche, yes. <laughs> yeah, there are there are some of you out there, but uh, I've usually, yeah, I've talked to channels before and usually it's, you know, the type that covers, you know, all types of uh, shows you know movies stuff like that but like you know your focus is star wars and that's such a, a right. unique space to kind of like even work and thrive in uh, so i kind of wanted to go down you know uh your channel like you know the the history of it the process of it and uh but also a little bit beyond that because star wars is such an important thing to yourself and lots of people in this space uh, i kind of wanted to uh start from the beginning uh which is uh you know i believe you are uh, originally from new zealand uh, right yes correct? i am uh, so could you tell us uh, yeah, about your, your history there growing up? Like how long were you there? What point did you kind of uh, come to the U.S.? Sure. So, um, so yes, I was born in New Zealand. Um, I, I grew up there. I moved to America in uh, 2001. So shortly, um, shortly after the big millennium. That's my, one of my last memories of being in New Zealand is having a big millennium party with everybody. Yeah. And then we were on a plane in January. Um, but no, uh, I first saw... Star Wars in New Zealand in uh, in 1997 when when the releases came out and that was kind of the beginning of my journey as a nerd. Um, but when when I moved to America with my family, I had to leave all of my friends behind and all the connections that I had made. And as a young person, like you know, these things are very important. And Star Wars was kind of the constant during that move that I was able to like escape back into the galaxy far far away and not really think about the fact that I was a preteen in a new school in a new continent in a different part of the world. And I didn't have any friends yet. And that, that can be pretty daunting. Also, I had a goofy accent. I thought it was cool. People, kids <laughs> think that stuff, kids think anything is goofy these days. Um, but I think that's kind of where I grew into like a super Star Wars fan. It just, it was always, it was always there for me when I needed something familiar in a time when a lot of things were kind of in flux. You know, moving to a new country can be hard. Right. Uh, were you uh, exposed to like again when you're while you're in New Zealand? Were you exposed to a lot of American pop culture like beyond Star Wars? Uh, was that like readily available to you? Just kind of yeah, I up? mean all of the all of the big movies would would also release down there as well. And I think Hollywood was considered kind of like the gold standard for filmmaking. And New Zealand had a very a very big film industry of its own at the time. But I feel like even then. Um, the films and the TV shows released there were always compared to their American counterparts. Like this always seemed to be like setting a standard for, for all other shows. And so of course that's what all of us kids would be into. You know, we were watching the Pierce Brosnan and James Bond movies. I remember were huge at the time. Those were dropping. Everyone was talking about those. Um, Jumanji was, was a huge hit. Um, it wasn't just Star Wars, but Star Wars was definitely among them. Um, we had our own local our own local stuff going on. Like there's a lot of cool horror movies coming out from Peter Jackson at the time. Hercules, The Legendary Journeys was being filmed a couple blocks from where I lived. Same with Xena Warrior Princess. Wow. So 
we had some cool stuff of our own going on too. But yeah, no, we loved American pop culture. It was kind of this like fancy thing. I remember one time my dad got a long distance phone call related to work and he talked to someone who was in America. And when he hung up, he like turned to his coworker and he was like, I just talked to someone that was in America. And he was all impressed. He's like, Ooh, wow. Like, so it was kind of a, kind of a, fu- a fun thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was, that's funny though, that you mentioned it. Are you, so you came in 2001. That's kind of like right before the Lord of the Rings films sort of popped off. <laughs> yep. That's right. Um, they, I, I knew about them before I moved uh, because my aunt Zoe actually worked on those films oh, and wow. she was that's telling awesome. us that she had begun work on an adaptation of the Lord of the Rings and that it was going to be huge. And I think, I think I underappreciated exactly what she was telling me at the time because they yeah. went on to become like my favorite films pretty much. Like I love the Lord of the Rings so much. Right, um, right. On, on my YouTube channel, I often say that Star Wars are the second greatest films ever made. I'm talking about Lord of the Rings every time. <laughs> That's a high praise, high praise for just looking. Absolutely, <laughs> around you. absolutely. But I was, I was talking. Um, I was, I was. We were being told by my aunt about this new movie coming out, and we were like, "Okay, cool. That sounds very exciting for you. I'm sure we'll see it at some point." Then we moved to America, and the trailer hits a couple months later, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I should have stayed. I should have stayed. I could have been in that movie. Like, I could have been a cute Hobbit child or something. Like, oh, I was this close." This close, right? Uh, I mean, so, I mean, you mentioned Star Wars. I mean, coming over uh, to the U.S., that being a big part of like what you took with you. Um, you said you kind of discovered Star Wars in 1997. Was that? Uh, do you remember? Like, do you remember the kind of specific uh, first experience you had? Because, like, for me, I, I actually don't. I don't remember when I first saw Star Wars for the first time in my life. I, it was just kind of something that was always there with me. I think through my father. Uh, who you probably showed to me when I was very young, and I just, it's just something that I kind of like always sort of had around me. Um, but for you, was there a specific you know inception point? For me, for, for I've always viewed it myself as having had two separate inception points. One of them I barely remember, and it's very very similar to your memory. Going to the theater with my dad to see one of the originals when I was maybe three years old, two or three years old, and. It's an early memory, and I don't remember much, and I couldn't tell you a lick of what happened in the theater because I was a three-year-old. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's inception point number one. Inception point number two was when I was the one saying, hey, Dad, let's go see this. And it was coming from me versus him taking me to it. And that was in 1997 when the original trilogy special editions were released, and Star Wars was suddenly back in the theater. This was only like three years before The Phantom Menace came out. So hmm. this was like the last hurrah for us because it was still a secret that that was happening. I think the news broke shortly after the re-release in theaters. Um, But I went to go see it, and I saw A New Hope in the theater. And then a couple weeks later, we saw Empire Strikes Back, and and, and it was like there was no going back after that. I was re-watching our old VHS tapes nonstop. I had the sticker books. I, like, discovered that merch existed for this. Like, we went to the (laughs) toy store, and after having seen Star Wars, I started recognizing the Stormtroopers on the shelf. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. And I started collecting in that time. And I also, this is kind of funny. This is kind of like a third inception point because by this time I was absolutely a Star Wars fan. I'd seen it in the theater. But after I moved to America, um, I had so I have extended family in America. That's why we moved here. And I had cousins that had been living here for a while. And one of my cousins, an older cousin, came over to the house one day after hearing that I was really into Star Wars. And he handed me a copy of Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn and said, right. you know, there's more than just the movies, right? There's all these books. <laughs> the stories keep going. And so that was like the final the final kicking off point for me. Once I once I had that book in my hand, I read it cover to cover, picked up The Last Command, 
or sorry, Dark Force Rising, followed by The Last Command, and then I just, all of them, all the Legends books, yeah. I consumed everything I could get my hands on. And at that point, I think it would, nothing else, nothing else could come close to my enthusiasm for like that particular set of stories. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was going to ask, cause like it's so, it kind of happened pretty uh, quickly uh, that you became sort of, you know, obsessed with the, the IP, the culture around it, like the, the extended canon at the time that existed. Um, was there a point where you kind of, I don't know, had that sort of uh, self-awareness of like, this is a large part of like who I am, you know, this is like a part of like my identity and part of like, you know, how I want to like kind of present my, you know, taste in the world. I, I, I feel like I had that realization pretty late on in the process of becoming a super fan to the point where I try not to define myself by it anymore. I really kind of try to throw myself at things outside of my interest for Star Wars so just for my own benefit so I can feel like I'm right. well-rounded as a person because yeah. it's very easy for me to be like, oh, yeah, 99% of my brain power goes to Star Wars all the time. And that's <laughs> – you gotta take a you gotta take a step back and look at yourself. And I want to be able to say I also enjoy this and I also am into this. Um, but I think by the time I had the self awareness to realize, wow, I am like completely wrapped up in Star Wars. Like I live and breathe this stuff. I think it had been the case for many years. During the formative stage, I wasn't even aware of it because I was so invested in what I was reading, what I was watching. I wasn't really taking the time to realize the effect it was having on my development necessarily because I was definitely very young when I first entered into this. People said it was a phase uh, being into Star Wars. It's been 30 <laughs> years, all right? It's yeah. a pretty long phase. Yeah. So uh, like, so prior to like, you know, having the channel and everything, in those, you know, that kind of era of Star Wars, after the prequels, before the Disney acquisition, um, you know, did you have any sort of creative outlets with it? Did you have any, did you work on any forums? Any, were you making any original content like based around Star Wars? So um, my, my mother uh, was a cartoonist. And she draws little panel comics, strip comics. Like, that's just sort of how she's been expressing herself for my entire life. And she taught me to draw. And I do the same thing. And when I was a little kid, I would draw little panel comics of stormtroopers and star destroyers and Jedi. And some of the earliest drawings that I still have seen, like, in my adult... Because my, my mom saves a bunch of my old stuff. And some of the right. earliest drawings of mine were Star Wars drawings. So, like immediately I started emulating it. And I think a lot of my artistic development came from seeing Star Wars and being inspired by this entire imaginary world and this entire imaginary galaxy. Yeah. And so I would, I would draw an ATST Walker and then I would draw an ATAT and I, I, I'm picturing this specific drawing. I then drew like five different variants that didn't exist. And I was like, well, what if they went through the desert? What if they went through the jungle? And like, it was basically I was banging out concept art and I was like four years right. old and I, you know, I didn't know what that was at the time, but it absolutely inspired me to become more creative because I always yeah. wanted to draw like my mom, but I never knew what to draw. And then as soon as right. I watched Star Wars, I was like, oh, I know what to draw. Yeah. Is that still, still a hobby that you have at all? Like uh, sketching, drawing? I, you know, I haven't drawn nearly as much as I would like. Um, I filled sketchbooks up all throughout high school and college. Um, but in the last few years, I've thing about youtube is it takes up a lot of your time right and i'm i'm uh, hoping to get back into a couple of hobbies down the road but yeah i found new outlets in the meantime like youtube is a great way to allow yourself to be creative and expressive as well right uh yeah i mean i was the same way like i drew uh like a lot of anime throughout high school like that nice, was like a big nice. thing that i kind of like uh, discovered uh in late in middle school early high school and so that was how i expressed myself for like a good chunk of time until like i uh 
graduated and I got into video editing. That's when I started making like AMVs, like anime music videos. <laughs> That's how I started getting to like the field nice. I'm in now. You know, there's natural progression for that. Um, like you say, though, for like the YouTube channel, uh, like w when you started it, did you have any kind of specific goal or trajectory in mind when you started it? Like, were you inspired by just like, you know, others that were doing it at the time? Yeah. Um, so I would say that it was never an intended career path. It was always kind of a fun side project, like a hobby when I started it. So long before I ever started a YouTube channel, I was a fan of reactions. I think mm -hmm. in 2015, when the Force Awakens trailer came out, maybe it was 2014, that was just like such a, just like a cultural zeitgeist moment. All these reactions got posted. And I think the first reaction videos I ever saw were to that Force Awakens teaser. And that kind of opened the door for me that this whole genre of content exists, reactions. And I think the reason I was so drawn to it was because I was always someone who was so intensely passionate about an area. For me, it was Star Wars that no one else, like I had friends that liked Star Wars, but no one was really on my level, right. you know? All of my friends think Star Wars is cool and oh yeah, I have a favorite movie, but they don't have, they don't have a, an opinion on the crew compliment of an Imperial 2 class victory star story. Like it's not, it's not a thing that's too deep for them. <laughs> Yeah. And so I would find these people that would nerd out in these reactions. And I felt like this, just this kinship with them. And it made me feel like, I felt like there isn't a cheesy way to say this. It made me feel less alone in my nerdiness, like to mm -hmm. see it mirrored in another face, like out there in the world. Like there's more of us, there's a bunch of us out there. And we all feel the same feelings when we're watching these things. And it, it, it's a real, it's a real connectedness. It really is. And so I, I became a fan of the blind wave channel. I think they were really my, my inspiration to start doing it myself. They were my role models, uh, particularly Eric, because he had a lot of the same takeaways and, and thoughts that I do when I'm watching Star Wars. So I was like, wow, we say the same stuff. And I was like, you know what? I could do this. I could do what they're doing. I've got, like, I had a bit of a Star Wars collection already. So I was like, hmm, I got, I got some stuff I could decorate a background with. And I feel like I have yeah. thoughts to share when I watch things. And Star Wars Rebels was airing at the time back in 2017. And my first reaction video that I posted was to Twin Sons, Obi-Wan right. Kenobi versus Darth Maul. And it, it got a big reception. I wasn't expecting like really any views at all. And it got picked up pretty quick. I, th I think it trended and, and it got a couple thousand. And that was really encouraging to me. I was like, okay. And there was no looking back from there. But I was working full time. I had a job. I had a whole other thing going on. And this was just sort of to fill up my weekends and like have some fun Find a, find a way to connect with other people about Star Wars. That's really what it is, is trying to enter the next level of participation for that connectedness that we feel when we watch reactions. Right. And right. then, as as everybody knows, in 2020, everything shut down for a while. Yeah. So my day job was that I was a running security for a, an Irish bar that, that shut during the pandemic and did not open back up again. So not only was I out of work for a couple months, there wasn't really anything to return to. So with all this time on my hands... And sitting on unemployment, I was like, well, you know what? Let's put all of my time and energy into the YouTube channel. And I, I was able to grow it tremendously. And I really think that I got lucky in that the situation was just, it was just a confluence of perfect events. I was out of work and therefore had the time to put into it. A bunch of new Star Wars content had just come out. So there was plenty of things to actually like talk about and, and have a discourse on. And I had a captive audience because everyone else was stuck at home too, watching YouTube all day. So that's yeah. why the numbers were like so strong for it was it really was a good time to start taking it seriously I think and the channel has benefited from it to the point where now I do this full time and 
and I'm loving it, honestly. It's it's a really fulfilling and creative way to support yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, a, yeah, again, like the fantastic you know, journey of like how you started and kind of, yeah, what the pandemic sort of did for a lot of channels, which is like just give everyone that outlet, like you said, uh, to find people to feel less alone, to feel less alone in what you're watching, how you're experiencing the world, how you kind of even just cope with like things around you and the stuff you enjoy. I think it is like a really important sense of like community that people are able to find through these channels like yourself and, and Blind Wife and others. There's, there's, there's a well-documented correlation, I think, between times of hardship and a boost to the entertainment industries. Like during the Great Depression, uh, one of the only industries that did not suffer was the film industry because mm -hmm. it was very important to everybody that, that there was still a level of escapism and entertainment being provided to the people when everyone was like starving, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think the pandemic was kind of the same that same kind of psychology at play in that everyone kind of needed a pick me up. Everyone's tuning in. Everyone's enthusiastically taking in new content and right. all of the content creators are, are encouraged by that. And therefore the content it's reflected in that, in the quality of it. So like it was, it was something meaningful to people. I think I've, I've gotten uh, DMS from, from random audience members before saying, Hey, your content has really helped me through hard times through like through lockdown, for example. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I want to ask you, when you uh, started the, the channel, uh, did you have to kind of learn any technical know-how to get started, like in terms of like just, you know, cameras, like computer editing, anything like that? <laughs> was there, was oh, there a learning curve for you? <laughs> uh, yes. The short answer is yes. And and I'm still, I'm still doing that. I, I, I threw myself in without doing too much research first. I just connected a USB webcam to the computer that I was using for any other daily stuff. And, um, I had to learn what OBS was. I had to learn how recording worked. Um, and it was all, it was all done on the fly. I would say that, um, copyright and, and the, the rules and regulations around DMCA and fair use was the most eye opening of experiences. Trying to react to copyrighted content. There are certain things that you have to do correctly. And if you don't, your videos get blocked. Right. And I got a lot of videos blocked early on. Um, without quite knowing what I was doing wrong. And so that was really kind of a trial and error process, but we got there in the mm -hmm. end. Yeah. <laughs> as, as I would know, because I, I helped out a little bit with that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You, you got us there in the end is really how I should say that. <laughs> uh, I also want to ask about your name though. Uh, so the name Calcturn, I think as a lot of Star Wars fans will know is a name from the extended canon, uh, Star Wars content from the previous uh, extended uh, uh, universe. Uh, so I want to ask, like, you know, what was the reasoning behind picking that name specifically uh, for, as your moniker for this? You know, um, I am a big fan of Kyle Katarn, I think is the simplest explanation. Uh, the Dark Forces games and their sequels, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy, were some of the first Star Wars games that I played. Like, that was the first foray into gaming. Um, for context, I'm not really a gamer. I did not play video games growing up. I think the first, like, other than a couple shooters on a PC, like, like Quake and right. things like that. My parents wouldn't let me have consoles. They were, they were blind to the fact that you can play games on a PC. So <laughs> I was able to sneak, sneak Unreal Tournament in there. Um, right. but I didn't touch a controller until I was about 18 years old. So I'm not exactly classically trained when it comes to that. And so as soon as it was gaming time, Star Wars games, naturally, I'm the Star Wars fan. And Kyle Katarn was, he was my guy. I just, he's so cool. And I grew a beard. People told me that it looked like Kyle Katarn. And I was like, you know what? That's a perfect name for this. And 
I will I will leave it somewhat mysterious, but people ask me all the time, is they're like, is your name actually Kyle Katarn? <laughs> and my response is, man, my name's not even Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not even not even close. They think the yeah. they think the Bendu's name is Ben, which I see ben. the logic there, but it's not. Yeah. No. Not, our names yeah. our names are a secret. We're like Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, when you started, uh, you know, you said around the time of like the Force Awakens, the kind of wake of that being like when you started the channel back in like I believe it was 2017 when you first 2017 uh, is when it. I posted my first video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- like you said, the buzz uh, around that first trailer and the movie coming out uh, just kind of ignited the Star Wars culture in a way that hadn't been ignited in like a, like a, it was a revitalizing decade. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Do you remember what was your personal experience, kind of like? being in that in that kind of wave of everything at the time uh, as you were trying to start this up yourself for the for your channel so it's one of those um do you remember where you were when disney bought lucasfilm and i do i remember exactly where i was i was at band practice um (laughs) with my bandmates downtown and i got the alert on my phone and so i stepped outside to have a cigarette and i was talking and so we all stepped out and i told them and then we argued for two hours about the prequel trilogy and didn't play a note. We didn't play any music that day. And then we all went home. So that's <laughs> that's my my recollection of it. I remember exactly where I was. And I was excited. I was like, hell yeah. We're getting new movies. We're getting more of it. And my guitarist was like, Star Wars just sucks since 1999. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with you. And it was it was just a whole thing. Um, but yeah, no. The, the enthusiasm was immediately up to 10. And I remember the teaser. The second teaser, we saw the Falcon. Just right. doing that cool camera bending trick, and oh man, you couldn't you couldn't get away from it. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was replaying it, and I, I it's it's ignorant of me to say that it like boosted the reaction genre. It it definitely made me aware of the reaction genre, and so I can't speak to how established it was before that time, mm-hmm. but I know that a lot of people jumped on board after that, myself included. Yeah, absolutely. Started I mean, realizing our, our... it was a thing, you know, and and now it's like a, a, it's a primary form of recreation for me. Like instead of watching TV, sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to watch some reactions to some of my favorite shows. Like that's right. It's fun. Exactly. Yeah, I I do the same thing. Uh, I mean, obviously, I work in this space, you know, uh, very heavily now. And now, when I sit down to eat, you know, a lunch or something like that, I usually throw on a reaction as opposed to like a new show. Uh, it also helps. When you have a significant other, because then you could save the new stuff for each other and just revisit old stuff on your own if you had to like sit down and watch something by yourself. <laughs> That's very valid. That's a very valid point. <laughs> uh, yeah, our, like I said, our good friends late to the party, they also started their channel with a, a reaction to The Force Awakens. That was how they started. They sat down with a lamp in their face and a camera in the other hand and just started rolling. And you know, now here they are uh, many years later, uh, one of the staples of, I think, the reaction space that uh, I, I'm very proud to know. Um, and that, that era of everyone kind of, yes, discovering Star Wars again, uh, the, the internet, you know, culture around Star Wars in a new light, not just the way it was, you know, back in the two thousands, but went through the forums, stuff like that. Uh, it was such like a, uh, an important moment. Like you said, almost like, where were you? I remember myself as well. Like when I, where I was, I was working, I was doing a, uh, an after school editing program uh, for my old high school. And, uh, I was speaking to uh, one of the other uh, instructors there and he was like oh did you hear this like disney just bought star wars and i was like oh that's crazy uh, and which is it was yeah insane at the time because at the time i wasn't into the uh 
the extended universe. I wasn't into the books or the comics like that. I was mainly into like the the main stuff, visual medium of shows and films. And sure. so the only thing that existed to me at the time was the Clone Wars series. And so that was when I was thinking like, oh, like that's cool. Like what what could this possibly mean? Like it, it didn't even dawn on me yet what the possibilities were for like the extent of how they could expand this thing. And uh, so we got Clone Wars, you know, uh, continuing uh, through that. And then like shortly after Rebels uh, as well. And uh, Rebels being the, the show that you kind of started with uh, for this channel, uh, reacting to the final three seasons of, not three, three episodes of season three with uh, uh, Twin Sons and the finale for that. Uh, when you started that and then you did the first or the final three episodes for that season, uh, were you kind of thinking like, what next? Like, what next do I do for the channel? Like, uh, is there something else like you want to explore? Did you have kind of like a game plan in mind already? When I... I really didn't have a game plan when I began. Um, when I posted those first three reactions, it was it was like, okay, the season is done. I guess I'll wait for something to come along and I'll <laughs> react to that. I was I really wasn't proactive about it because at the time, I, I wasn't really concerned with growing the channel so much as just sort of like documenting my thoughts and putting them out there. And like, I remember I didn't even tell people to like or subscribe. I was like, eh, people will find it if they care. And if not, like, you know, you do you. Like, I was so, I was so like blase about it. Yeah. Um, and then after the reception of those first three videos and I saw the numbers and I was like, wow, there's actually like an audience for this kind of, I started looking for more things to react to. Um, and mm -hmm. that's when I discovered that Star Wars fan films, like, is just this massive untapped resource of just endless Endless Star Wars, and there's so much to talk about there, and people that make fan films are so willing to discuss them and, like, talk about the right. intricacies in the filmmaking process and all these things, and I was like, oh, okay, well, there's my niche. I'm going to review all the Star Wars fan films and, like, talk yeah. about what's awesome about them and give shout-outs to smaller creators, and that kind of became my focus, like, in between seasons of The Mandalorian to react to, or, like, the big flagship shows. I discovered like just this massive community of fan filmmakers and that's that's really became the bread and butter of the content as well you know it was like experiencing their passion for the franchise because star wars fan film creators let me tell you they are a cut above the rest because star wars <laughs> is such a copyrighted lockdown property you cannot make a profit off of a star wars fan film it just can't be done they will come yeah. after you and they'll take your knees so every time you see a star wars fan film and they cost a lot of money to make let me tell you you know that is 100% a passion project. It's, it's a love letter to the franchise and it's done with such creativity and they're so inventive and watching, it's just fun to feel like you're part of that process. I, I love it. They're so yeah. fun. Were the fan, were the fan films uh, uh, something you were aware of prior to finding them for the channel or was it like oh, a, just oh, a totally yeah. new oh, yeah. culture um, you? They, they used know? to do fan film awards, uh, the, the fan network back in like the late 90s, early 2000s and there were some, there were some classics like Troops in the Pink Five series, uh, there were there were a bunch, and like, like definitely I knew about them. But also, this was at a time when like filmmaking technology, home filmmaking technology, was still pretty janky, and mm -hmm. so it kind of plateaued in that you can only make so many lightsaber fights until there's a way to make, right. until there's a way to like up the ante. And, and Ryan versus Dorkman had done it all. It, it was kind of a rediscovery of it because it was, oh wow, like they're using CGI now, they're using actual like this and that. Like fan films have come a long way. Channels like cinematic captures using full-blown motion capture suits and then rendering like unreal en environments. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. It, it blows your mind. If I could yeah. go back to 1997 and show my younger self just like someone's budget fan film from 2021 that they made in their garage, it would blow my own mind. Like <laughs> fan films have gotten so impressive. They really have. Yeah. 
uh is there a uh, i guess is there off the top of your head is there a favorite or like a one that stands out that you'd say of any of those uh fan films at the moment i'd say my favorite is probably scorekeeper by creative force films it is a recreation of predator but with a squad of rebel pathfinders being hunted by bosk on in the jungle oh, wow and it's <laughs> oh man the bosk prosthetic effects are so they're lovely it's it's really really cool um that's on the top of my list. They they kind of have a personal touch with theirs because I was actually able to meet these guys last year at Star Wars Celebration mm-hmm. Anaheim, and I got to see the Bosk suit up and up close and personal. So that made it kind of an extra extra fun experience. Um, but it's an excellent fan film. Um, okay. On the other end of that, I'd say Troops, which came out in 1997. It's one of the oldest fan films, and um, it's it's cops. It's a cops parody, but it's stormtroopers like on Tatooine, messing with a bunch of Jawas. It's short and sweet, but I think it really gets to the heart of what a fan film is. You know, it doesn't have to be flashy. It can be the most basic thing, but if it conveys the Star Wars vibe, mission accomplished. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, just covering, you know, all those fan films on the channel, along with like comics and reviews and kind of like small video essays that you did in the early year uh, that you started. Um, you were you were started rolling, you know, pretty quickly within the first half of that year, and then. Uh, Around, I think July it was, uh, Bendu came onto the channel and he uh, started joining you for a video here and there. Then he eventually joined you, I think, sort of, you know, full time for the Rebel Season 4 premiere. Co reactor, yeah. Um, yeah. Was, uh, was he, uh, uh, I mean, I know he's a good friend of yours. Uh, I guess what I want to ask, like, you know, how long have you guys been friends? Like, what's the history there between you two? Uh, so, so Bendu and I met uh, probably 2004, 2005. Yeah, we go mm-hmm. way back. Um, we met at a parkour meetup, <laughs> which is like the most 2005 thing you can possibly do. Um, yeah. I was there rocking some fresh K-Swiss shoes, uh, trying to run along a wall. And he was trying to run along the wall, too. And he was like, hey, you should do it from this angle, man. And I was like, yeah. And then we were friends. And then it was, awesome. was actually like we became friends first and then found out that we were both crazy about Star Wars, like after the fact. Yeah. It, ha- it came up several conversations in, and then we went over to his house and like read all of his Dark Horse comics. Like that's nice. That's how it all started. <laughs> um, and I, I told him when I started making the YouTube channel, I was like, "Dude, I'm making a YouTube channel and like making videos about Star Wars. You should come on sometime." And it was just sort of this standing invitation. And then just a couple months in, he just finally took me up on it, had a good time, decided to come back for another one. And then I think it was when season four of Rebels started was was on its way i i i approached him and i was like do you want to commit to coming over to my house once a week and we'll record this thing yeah. and and that's kind of where it started and like there was no official like invitation bendu you are hereby like invited to join <laughs> the i was just like hey bro come on over we'll watch some star wars let's do it same time every week and we'll film it and he's like yeah that sounds chill like it was it was all yeah. very like very casual because at the time <laughs> rebels was out the Force Awakens had dropped. The Last Jedi wasn't quite like it was. It was on the horizon, but we didn't know much about it. Um, right. And so I didn't really have the projection of how much Star Wars content was going to be dropping over the next few years. Multiple live action series shows, multiple spin off movies like Rogue One and Solo, and everything after that. Comics like the comics really ramped up the following year um, with Marvel, starting with Skywalker Strikes and the Vader trilogy. Like yeah. we'd been, we hadn't really been getting steady Star Wars comics in a long time before the buyout either. Um, so in my mind, we were going to get like a movie every other year, 
and maybe another animated show. And I was like, that's not really enough to stretch an entire channel around reacting to. Um, and then once I saw the writing on the wall, I think it was the Disney Investor Day, Investors Day stream when Kathleen sure. Kennedy announced that we're doing multiple of everything. I was like, oh, okay, I should clear my schedule. <laughs> I'm going to be watching a lot of Star Wars. Yeah. So, so really, as long as, as long as the Star Wars doesn't dry up, I'm going to have no shortage of things to talk about, react to, and like give my thoughts on and share with other Star Wars fans. And so this, like, I don't know, people balk at the expression, but I think this is the best time to be a Star Wars fan that there has ever been. Even if you don't love all the content, you have yeah. so much more content to choose from, and no one's twisting your arm and making you watch the stuff you don't like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how I felt about it, you know, when, like, again, coming into The Force Awakens and, like, what was on the horizon, uh, just as someone who wasn't into the extended universe at the time, I only knew the, the Clone Wars series, and so I was thinking, like, yes, like, I, did, I, I, just, I was so excited about the idea of having, like, a landscape of things to enjoy from star wars like this or that live action cartoon like whatever um it was just like it's it's so uh weird to look back at it and just almost seeing like the almost like the disparity of stuff that you know i didn't have yet uh before the D disney buyout um but you're you're totally right you know it's like the idea is like you might not like everything but there's enough to look forward to you can give another chance hopefully you'll get the game on the next one like whatever um so to i want like to like, reboard you know there's no rule saying you have to eat every <laughs> right. piece of cheese like every kind yeah. of cheese on there <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, like, like you said, you know, getting into like the that first year of your your channel, which is 2017, that year December is when the Last Jedi comes out, and that is when things, you know, truth be told, kind of shifts for yes. the fandom, the culture, everything around it. Um, without, I guess, getting too deep into the PTSD of it all, uh, what was your experience? I guess, like, you know, watching Last Jedi yourself, where you thought about it at the time, and then, but also how you felt around like the kind of shift the, the wave that came after of like what people were starting to feel about the the franchise in general sure sure um it's a loaded question that i will tread carefully as i answer because i do have i do have my own takeaways of how it all shook out and not everyone agrees with everyone else's opinions on what it all means and i don't i don't mean to invalidate anyone's opinion so you know i can only speak right. for myself and my takeaways here but in the theater i loved it I did kind of see the writing on the wall um, and it didn't really affect my, my experience in watching it, but I did have meta thoughts of like, Oh, that's not going to go over with some people or like, right. Oh, some people aren't going to like that. It didn't take away from my fan experience, but it did kind of give me that lump in my throat of like, I'm not looking forward to getting on Twitter and talking about this movie later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think that star Wars has been unfairly sucked into a culture war that it has nothing to do with, frankly. Um, I think 2017 is hot off the heels of another year that was very um, changing the landscape politically and socially and culturally. And that's 2016 when, uh, yeah. you know, things happened. We won't really get <laughs> into that because that's not what this interview is about. But I think that that has a direct <laughs> correlation to the way Star Wars suddenly had to be manly men for men and like women had to be a certain way. And if, it, if a woman is empowered on the screen, she's a Mary Sue and like everything is now pandering and woke and all these buzzwords started coming out. And ironically, these same buzzwords are being parroted by other groups way outside of star Wars. Yeah. One observation that I made during, during the, the nightmarish discourse that kind of just sort of unraveled, I would say it's still Rocky road, but it's on a much more even keel than it used to be. The dust has cleared years have gone by but it's still really charged when you try to talk about that movie in particular 
it almost always spirals out of control into sub arguments, especially on Twitter. Twitter is, is, is not really conducive to having civil discussions because tone of voice means everything. And if all you have is text, like no one's really hearing what other people are saying. Right. Um, but no, I, I will say that a lot of people suddenly came out of the woodwork decrying the direction Star Wars is going in, talking about how they were lifelong fans walking away from the franchise because of this, because of that choice, because of Kathleen Kennedy. And multiple times I would go to those people and like scroll through and be like, what have you ever shared? What have you ever expressed about Star Wars before this tweet? Crickets. It's like none of these people have opinions until suddenly they have all the opinions. It's like, well, where were you? When we were watching Star Wars 10 years ago and talking about this, like, why are you suddenly wading in? These people are all suddenly jumping in that maybe they've been fans their whole lives, but they've never been represented in the discourse before. But now it's suddenly urgently important for everyone to talk about why it's not manly anymore. Why it's no Star Wars is for girls now. Why? Like the force is female. First of all, that was a Nike ad. But secondly, (laughs) like, why did that enrage people? Why are we so upset about things? It's fakened in space. It doesn't stop me from loving it for 30 years, but I can acknowledge when parts of it aren't designed for me anymore because I'm old and hairy now. It's for the kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's Star Wars for us. There's also Star Wars that's not for us. And I think that when you grow up loving something, I'm a perfect example of this, you can start to feel a certain level of entitlement and, and ownership of that because you, you're, you're protective of this thing. You love it. And when someone else is now making Star Wars movies that's not George Lucas, who you have also grown up with as the Star Wars guy, and now we've got this J.J. Abrams person or Ryan Johnson. It's like someone else has taken out your Star Wars toys and started playing with them in front of you. And you're like, no, no, Darth Vader doesn't do that. He does this. Like, you're playing with them wrong. Like, that's kind of the feeling that you get. And I think it's very important if you want to maintain a healthy relationship with media to divorce yourself of that feeling because you don't actually own it. You own your version of it, but it's perfectly okay for someone else to tell their version, you know? And I think that that gets thrown to the wayside a lot of times when people talk about why things are objectively bad. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's not what you wanted and that's valid and that's fair. Doesn't make it objectively bad. Uh, very well said, like very, very well uh, articulated <laughs> in a... Unfortunately, I've had a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, so uh, similar to that, though, I want to ask, you know, just navigating the space of, you know, the current culture of like fandom, stuff like that, Star Wars or not, um, being a creator, like, again, you said you have this kind of platform, this space where you have to articulate yourself in these thoughts pretty frequently. And uh, with that, you know, you get responses, pushback. Uh, you open yourself up to the discourse in a way that some people don't because they don't aren't you know in front of a camera constantly to do this. I am kind of Are throwing any... myself to the wolves yeah. by doing it every time. It's a, it's a choice <laughs> yeah. I make. I can't really blame anyone for the for the re- whatever the reaction might be. Uh, are there any philosophies you have to yourself? Even when, like say when you sit down, you're going to turn the camera on. You're when you're going to post a tweet, anything that you kind of like a mantra of any sort that you tell yourself, like just to keep yourself you know, in, in a good headspace when sort of dealing with these, uh, with these things. I, I mean, nothing, nothing too specific as a typical rule, as a typical philosophy for when conducting myself online, because I really am putting myself into a microscope is to be, um, authentic and to just be honest, because if I try to manufacture a point of view, that's not really what I have. It's exhausting to maintain that and having to 
and having to then like refer back to it and keep everything straight. And it's inauthentic and people can tell, you know, yeah. you can always tell when someone's forcing something. And I think I just am very fortunate to have a really real enthusiasm for a subject matter. And people, people find it engaging because they can tell that I actually am getting really excited about something. And I have very strong reactions to certain things. Um, but my, my only real philosophy is like, would I say this? Would I say this in an actual room full of people? Because if, oftentimes when you're talking on Twitter, you're alone somewhere, you know, and the anonymity of no one can hear your voice. Like half the things that we say, like if you imagine people's heads turning as you say it and looking at you, would you still say it? If the answer is no, don't tweet that thing, you know, <laughs> because that's literally what happens. You just don't actually see that reaction happen. And yeah. now that Twitter has added view counts, we are forced to be confronted with <laughs> when that happens. But yeah. to, to be, I'd say just be honest and be kind. Don't misrepresent yourself because people will always come with the receipts. You know, all right, all right. You, as, a, as a YouTuber, a content creator in general, but especially a YouTuber, you're living your life on a camera and you're documenting intimate parts of your life that other people sort of just keep to themselves. And you are inviting a level of scrutiny because of that, too. Um, I, if, if it bothered me, if, if, if negative comments bothered me, I probably wouldn't do this, you know? Right. I don't imagine they're going to suddenly magically start bothering me one day. Um, so going back to what my day job was, I was the manager of security. I was a head bouncer for a bar. So it takes a lot to make me blink. It takes a lot <laughs> to make me blush. I've, I've been called, I've been called the worst that professionals can think of. And I, th I feel like in a way that subconsciously conditioned me for putting myself in the public eye in this way is that like, I can take it. I've been yeah. like, people have tried to stab me before. Yeah. You can call me a jerk. It's not going to matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, I mean, you, do you, I, I see that you're also one of uh, the kind of vocal proponents of, of uh, certain aspects of the fandom where like you are not afraid to speak your mind to certain people that I think you disagree with on not necessarily like an, a, an opinionated level, but like a moral level, but the way they choose to conduct themselves and their opinions uh, I, towards others. I think that's fair to say. I, th I think that when you have a platform, there is a moral responsibility that comes with that. And if, if I see someone with any level of a platform, abusing that for example i would be abusing my own platform if i didn't weigh in i feel like it's i don't know it's something akin to being a mandated reporter it's like if i see this happen and choose not to act it's as bad as if i did it myself right and if i see like i will see people and like i don't know i consider a thousand followers to be a platform like that's a thousand people that's a thousand people listening to whatever you have to say and if you have an, if you have a disagreement with someone on social media and you try to send your followers after that person, like I'm, I'm going to step in and be like, this is inappropriate. Like no one should be doing this. I don't, I don't look for arguments. I really don't like arguing with people. I think that we should all be able to just civilly discuss things together. But at the same time, like, you know, self-respect is a thing. I'm not, I'm not a doormat. Yeah. I will, I, I won't suffer a fool if I don't have to. If you, if you're being annoying, I'm going to tell you to go away. I think the best, the best philosophy is just disengage. You know, you don't need to respond. No one needs to be a reply guy. If someone is trying to get a, is trying to get a rise out of you, just don't, just don't rise to it. Don't give them what they want. You know, there, there's a reason there's actually, there's a, there's a very pointed reason why in my content, I really don't focus on the negative. 
I will criticize things, but I don't go on and on about things that I don't like. And that's just a personal choice because I put my energy into things that I do like. And I would rather spend my time and my focus talking about what I appreciate about a piece of media rather than, well, I hated this and I hated that. I'll touch on those things if they're, if they're there. If I hate something, you're going to hear about it. But then I'm going to move on to the rest of it and spend the rest of whatever we're talking about on the things I do like. Because that's just where I'd prefer to put my focus. And yeah. it, it is difficult these days with the current cultural climate surrounding YouTube, specifically Star Wars YouTube, actually. When people find out that I'm a Star Wars YouTuber, that paints a, specific, like a, a certain picture. That it has connotations now that don't fairly apply to me. And I don't like that I have to specify. It's like I became a Star Wars YouTuber so that it was already niche. It's already. And now within that, there's a subculture that I have to like make myself distinct from. It's like I'm not a grifter. All right. I don't do the thumb. <laughs> I'm not Mike Zero out here with the thumbnails. <laughs> the man is a yeah. thumbnail artist. No one can take that away from him. But. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like, I'm a Star Wars YouTuber. Oh, do you rail about Kathleen Kennedy with tinfoil on your head? It's like, no, not that kind. The other kind of Star Wars <laughs> Yeah. There are dozens of uh, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for, for today, I, literally, I was watching uh, uh, Alex and Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained put together a Lego ship or something. Love and they were talking about the same, the same exact thing. They're talking about the same exact thing. Like, you know, they, they are aware of, like, you know, it's like the culture of, like, Star Wars YouTubers that they kind of inadvertently you know rub shoulders with because of just like being in this space is like how you are associated with that sort of you know connotation as you say and you know they were saying the exact same thing it's like you know you have to decide you know what you want to focus on because that will determine like how you are like enjoying your life how you're enjoying the content that you're consuming uh if you choose to just be negative about it all the time in a way where it's like is sort of manufactured, you say, is untrue to yourself because it gets views, it gets, you know, likes, clicks, like all the easy stuff. Like it's going to kind of drive you up the wall and it puts you like in like a hole of like that you can't really get out of. Um, if so for yourself, like I think that's really something that I think lets people gravitate towards your channel. And it's definitely why I gravitated towards it when you reached out to me. You reached out to me. So like, hey, like I heard from, you know, a friend of a friend that you edit you know, YouTube videos, like, you know, would you be interested in editing for me? And like, I always had to do my due diligence to like, you know, learn about the people that I sure, want to speak to and work with. Um, and like you were quickly someone that I watched and I was like, yes, like this is someone who, yes, like I really respect in the way you carry yourself uh, on the channel in your opinions. Um, even well, if thanks, it's stuff bro. that you are you know, saying like, you know, you disagree with or isn't to your liking, you still hold yourself in a very respectful way that I, yes, admire, you know, very much so in this space. Um, and uh, so it was, it was funny uh, that I did a few edits for you uh, for Star Wars. It was the Mandalorian season two, which we got started with. That's where we and started. And then, yep. uh, yeah, shortly after that, I you informed me that you had another channel, um, the Grizzle Wizard, Wizard channel. Uh, you're like, can you do uh, Avatar reactions as well? And I was like, oh, I didn't know you had another channel <laughs> where you're doing uh, a completely different thing. Kind of a, um, it's less it's less <laughs> of a curated YouTube channel like like Kyle Katarn and more of like a serial killer's dumping ground where it's just <laughs> yeah. random videos are just dropped with no explanation and then months right. go by and then another yeah. one is discovered like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wanted to ask so it was uh what was the the logic of like creating the second channel because i clearly clearly you know start kyle katarn is for star wars but sure but that, the, but that was that channel. was pretty much the essence of it i didn't want to water yeah. down the niche of kyle katarn being star wars only and i i did want to try and branch out because again i, I there is an effort to try and round myself out as a person and i'm not just all about star wars I'm also a big fantasy nerd, and I like all kinds of video games and things. And I thought, well, if I can try and express that and get that off of the ground, 
then I could, you know, just have two successful channels because there's all kinds of things out there that I'd love to be able to react to and not necessarily keep myself in the box of Star Wars. I love Star Wars and I've chosen it as a niche, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be constrained by it. So Grizzled Wizard exists sort of to give me the freedom to engage with any sort of media that I want to. Um, and Avatar got a huge reception. People, people love those Avatar reactions. And I'm currently, I'm currently working my way through Legend of Korra right now. Should be, should be hitting Patreon soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, you know, on, on Grizzle Wizard, you've done, yeah, Legend of Korra, like He-Man, uh, Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, lots of fantasy adventure type, you know, genre stuff. Um, I was, I want to ask, like, is, is there any, uh, other besides Star Wars, you said Lord of the Rings, are there any other franchises, IPs that you, uh, feel, you know, very fond of in, in, in a similar manner? Uh, in, in terms of fantasy, there's quite a few, actually. Like, I'm a big fan of the Dark Crystal. Both the original movie and the uh, the Age of Resistance, which was the Netflix series that came out, big fan of that. Um, Willow, the Willow series on Disney Plus, was also great. I grew up watching the Willow movie. That's yeah. my love for that goes back just as far as Star Wars. Actually, um, we had the VHS of Willow. We watched it so many times. Me and my sisters uh, on long car trips would like say every line from the movie. We would just like do the whole movie while we we're sitting in the back seats because we had all the dialogue memorized. It was great. My parents yeah. hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Willow for sure. Um, Lord of the Rings, not just because I love the movies, but also because I have family ties to the production itself. Like it's got a very special place in my heart that I think will never be touched by anything else. Um, I'm a big fan of adult animation too. Like a lot of, I like a lot of adult swim series. Uh mm -hmm. Metalocalypse, Death Clock, yeah. um, back of the day. Yeah. Huge fan of Death Clock. I love that show. Uh, Tigtone, yeah. more recently. Tigtone came out a number of years ago. That was really fun, too. Um, big fan of Dungeons & Dragons. Have not seen the new movie yet. That also I'm planning to react to. Hopefully I can get Bendu on okay. side for that one. Because um, yeah, we played D&D together many times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my interests are very various. I just only have a Star Wars collection. <laughs> so I was like, well, I might as well make a Star Wars channel, right? <laughs> yeah um i guess uh with that though like so you uh uh with star wars uh, like you said you have like a lot of you know large collection of things you've kind of you know put together over the years for yourself and for the channel the presentation of it um i want to ask like uh, is there something in star wars uh that you uh disney you know canon or not uh that you uh enjoy enough but you kind of uh if you had your way you maybe would have like kind of push it in a different direction, a different trajectory, not to diminish the quality of like what has been, you know, made. No, by for sure. No, no, totally. That's, powers that be, that's a good yeah. question. Um, I mean, yeah, I always have my own interpretations of how I would have done things differently um, to pick out a single like piece of it though, and say, this is the one I'd change. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. I th for me, it would be more of like an overall, like I would have changed this character's arc throughout these two different shows in a movie or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I w well, for one thing, I would have continued the story of Solo, a Star Wars story, and I would have had Maul not just randomly show up at the end like that, but give a little bit more context to it, and then right. let him become, like, I'm sure the plan was always to have him be, like, a major player in the sequel. I think a lot of the War of the Bounty Hunters storylines with Crimson Dawn ended up playing out in the comic books was what they intended for the sequel. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would just go back and... See, it's hard to answer that, man. It's, that's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> tough one. Because the, the short answer is yes, there are a lot of things that I would change. But off the top of my head, I can't really... 
I don't know. I would I would say go back to the sequel trilogy and add Luke clone, the goofiest part of Dark <laughs> Empire. Just double down on it. Just double yeah. down on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a really good question, though. That is a really good question because there's always – everyone has their own interpretation. And, like, if they were in the mm -hmm. director's chair, it's like, well, this would have happened or that would have happened. Yeah. Um, um, I would have probably killed more characters. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would, I would probably would have killed, like, twice as many characters per movie just to keep those stakes high, you know, give it a little yeah. bit of that game of Thrones energy. Um, yes. And, and so now you've, uh, you know, you, you're managing two channels and you have uh, a good number of subscribers and dedicated following really uh, thanks to, you know, just your, your dedication to the channel and like your great brand community, of, you yeah. know, Kyle Katarn, you know, Star Wars fans. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, my good friend, uh, Greg Al Alba from the real rejects, you know, he said that once they hit like, certain amount of subscribers, you know, for them, it was like a million, but like, you know, for everyone, milestones are different. He said that he had to, he got to that point and he felt like they finally had in what he felt was forward momentum in the sense that they weren't trying to stay above water um, and trying to just like get past like certain numbers to make themselves comfortable to keep going and try new things for yourself. Like, do you feel like any sort of like, you know, uh, accomplishment at this point where you felt like you are now kind of coasting on like a, a good sort of uh, pattern or do you feel like you're still in a, in a building stage for yourself? A little bit of both. I think I'm finally starting to enter a comfortable zone where I get a baseline number of views that I'm, I'm pretty happy with. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I, I see, and Greg used the exact same language that I use too, is the forward momentum. Once you reach a certain milestone of subscribers um, and I'm sitting at 41,000 right now and I am hoping 50k is going to be the milestone that starts that ball rolling back down the hill again and picking up speed. Maybe it'll right. be 100k. Maybe it's the 3, maybe it's the 3 digits. But um I I still find myself in a in a period of waiting for that to really kick off. Mm -hmm. Um but I, I feel like I feel like I am slowly arriving at that place though. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and uh right now uh would you say uh you know cuz I, I always tell everyone uh, when you start these things, you have to do them, you know, like you said, in an authentic way, you have to make sure that the gratification you're getting out of it is like very personal. It has to be an outlet for you. Um, but you have to enjoy it on a very personal level before it can be like a business or any sort of sense like that. Um, beyond any monetary value, uh, uh, right now, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your channel for yourself? Um, well, that's actually pretty easy to answer. I've met a lot of very good friends through doing YouTube. A lot of people that live far away from me that I would never otherwise have come into contact with. Um, if it wasn't for doing YouTube, I would probably never have ended up going to Star Wars Celebration and Galaxy's Edge and having so much networking to do and already have a basis for familiarity with so many of these people. Um, you, YouTube especially, but content creation on social media in general really is like has this very real intense social aspect um, that really kind of has to be experienced rather than described. Like um, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I get out of it is that I've met so many people that I can consider to be my friends. Like because of YouTube, I now have a guild in Star Wars, the old Republic and we do live content on Twitch every Sunday. Um, we have over 50 members in the guild and um, I would count many of them among my friends and I would hang out with them in person if they didn't all live in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> we're all planning we're all planning to to drink a bunch of sake together in Japan in 2025 for the next awesome. Star Wars celebration. That's all right. That's the goal. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that is a great uh, point to uh, kind of wrap this interview up on is the community and the friends we you know find along the way. That old chestnut. <laughs> um, so I have uh, our final questionnaire, uh, which is inspired by the uh, James Lipton, uh, you know, final questionnaire from inside the Art Studio. Just kind of like ten sort of rapid fire questions of just. Off the top of your head, you know, what comes first? Boom. Okay. Uh, so I'm take a big pull of this first. Give me some brain power. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. It was a very, very uh, inspirational show for me inside the Arc Studio. So, this first question uh, What is your favorite TV show? Period. Uh, currently, I would say Firefly. Firefly? Okay. Uh, what is your favorite film? Favorite film of all time? Babe, Two Pig in the yeah. City. I know. That was lit. That was a kind of a curveball, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh what uh stresses you out? Um connectivity issues. Yeah. OBS crashing, videos getting blocked without a clear explanation why. <laughs> uh and what uh relaxes you? What helps you relax? Um doing nothing, honestly. I'm a big fan of downtime. Like maybe have some music going, like not necessarily anything on the screen, just sit there and like chill. <laughs> quiet my mind meditation basically relaxes me very well right uh what media outside of film and tv do you enjoy the most probably music as a musician yeah, yeah music and uh what media do you think you probably enjoy the least huh that's that's tricky um not in terms of dislike, but just turns the ones that you made not well, last last time. on the list. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say stage like stage theater, just because I haven't been to a play in a really long time. But I actually really like plays, so <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with. Actually, that doesn't count as media, does it? Because that's that's a stage performance anyway. <laughs> DVDs never did care yeah. for them. For physical media? Yeah, for physical media, yeah. Yeah. Although I am a big proponent of owning physical media. Um, Streaming services should not own the stuff that we're paying for. If you you can, put something on your shelf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, What is your guilty pleasure uh, of anything? Anything. Food, music, movies, whatever. Oh, I already answered that one. Babe 2, Pig in the City. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what film or show do you wish you could go back and erase your memory of to react for the first time? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, what really blew my mind? What, what had, what had a crazy twist in it? Uh, I think watching, uh, The Departed for the first time. Really? Yeah. That, that elevator scene at the end, like, <laughs> didn't see it coming, blew my yeah. mind. I, w- I would love to watch <laughs> that again for the first time, actually. Yeah, Scorsese's that's great. It. That's a great pick. I think, yeah, lots of those would be a great pick. Um, what advice would you give yourself, your past self, uh, that was starting this channel? Um, I would say uh, do more research. Make more connections early on. Like, start the networking. Like, I was kind of an island for the first, like, three full years of doing this. I didn't really communicate with any other creators. Um and as soon as I did, it was largely beneficial, not just for technical knowledge and sharing of expertise, but also just entering into the community. Like we could all like share and promote each other's content. And suddenly like we could, you know, all these viewer bases sort of like collide and come together. And um, so reach out to other creators. Don't be afraid to ask people how they do certain things. 
Um, a lot of the things I've learned has just been from cold contacting like someone whose video I liked and was like, hey, I, I watched this video. How did you do that? And like people will respond. You never know. Yeah. Um, fortune favors the bold. So take take risks, reach out to people, do your research, and don't just buy the first damn thing that's like marked down on Amazon, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bad webcam for the first like year. It was, it was not good. Yeah. Uh, is there any uh, unique or uh, different advice you'd give to just uh, anyone else that's starting right now? Um, I would say, I don't know, just have fun. Again, be authentic and genuine. Don't try to force an opinion one way or the other. And people see right through it. Don't Don't try to just follow what you think public opinion wants to hear. Be true to your own opinions. And if you have something worth sharing, people will stick around and listen to it. Um, don't be concerned with your subscriber counts when you're first starting out. Be con be concerned with the quality of your content. If you're making something worth watching, people will come and watch it. That's where your focus should be. The video itself. Great. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Kyle, for joining us today. Hey, thanks uh, for having me. And sharing your thoughts, everything about this. Uh, where can everyone find you online, YouTube, social media, otherwise? Uh, where, can they where can they find you? I am on YouTube as Kyle Katarn. I am on Twitter as Kyle Katarn, but the L is a one. I am on uh, Twitch at Kyle Katarn Official and Patreon at Kyle Katarn Channel. Um, I think that's all. Oh, I'm also on Instagram as Kyle Katarn with a one for the L. And I think that's all of my socials, and I update them all fairly frequently. I don't have a... There's also a Discord server, which doesn't have a fancy snappy title, but there's a link to it on all of my other socials. That's where all of the uh, the community is located. Um, when we go live for any of our streams that have multiplayer aspects, we do all of our matchmaking on there, all of our coordination and stuff through there. Um, it really is the best way to get a hold of me. And people like to send me fan films and things to react to through there as well. That's actually a big point that I didn't really bring up is that the community element of the channel helps to sustain it as well. Because I no longer have to spend time searching on YouTube for things to react to. I now have right. a list that is insurmountably long on my Discord server. Mm -hmm. And I can just chip away at that for until kingdom come. There's so many fan <laughs> films people have scoured and sent to me. So it, they really make my job so much easier having a community. That's so, yeah, that would be the biggest piece of advice. Also, you can, you can chop that in. The biggest piece of advice that I would give to a creator starting out is build a community, have somewhere to center it, whether it's in the comments of your videos or a discord server, which is my preferred way of doing it. Have a core cast of people that keep coming back to the conversation, find a way to keep people engaged, and they will tell their friends about it, and eventually they will help you grow the platform. So it's all about building a community at the end of the day. Perfect. Uh, perfect note to end on. Uh, thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us, and uh, we will catch you guys on the next interview. Have a great one. And if I may, may the force be with you.